This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the situation in Russia with Putin's war is growing more serious, really. Last week, in rigged referendums, Russia claimed that the people of Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia had decided they wanted to be Russian. Therefore, Vladimir Putin declared, decreed, that they would be, for, from this, that point onwards, part of the Russian Federation. There was a big circus-like ceremony in Moscow on Friday night, which was addressed by Putin. And he said anyone who attacked those four regions would be, in effect, attacking uh, Russian territory. This has ominous consequences and undertones because Putin has long said that if NATO or any of its allies attack a Russian target, then a nuclear weapon comes into the equation. And since then, the, the referenda came after a series of battlefield victories, really, by Ukraine. And in the last 48 hours, they have had more battlefield success. To discuss this now, we're joined by Senator Tom Clonan. Tom was an officer in the Irish Army. He was part of the deployment to South Lebanon as an officer under the United Nations in the mid-90s, and his deployment coincided with punitive Israeli operation called Operation Grapes of Wrath. He subsequently also compiled a report on sexual harassment in the Irish Army, which revealed the degree to which sexual harassment was an issue, and he was commended for that report by the politicians and top brass in the army and things changed and reforms came in as a result of that report. Uh, And he's a senator now for Dublin University, which I think uh, the rest of us is Trinity College, but we'll soon know because Tom joins us now. Uh, Tom, good morning to you. Good Um, morning. Let me ask you first about, we had a, a Russian contributor on 
last night, a very well-informed young man who has fled the country and gone to Lithuania. He believes that the show in Red Square last Friday night, this sort of spurious claim to these four territories, Luhansk, Kherson, Zaporizhia, and Donetsk, is uh, part of a game that Putin is playing, but in the real battlefield, he's losing big time, and that makes him dangerous. What, what do you see in terms of the battlefield? Well, this is a time of disinformation, misinformation, and propaganda. And the stage-managed uh, announcement of the, 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 the referenda in those four, four parts of uh, Donbass, announced by Vladimir Putin, belie the facts on the ground. So yes. the, the situation on the ground is changing. Um, and we spoke last month in September about a very dramatic Ukrainian counteroffensive in east of Kharkiv, which took uh, the town of Izium, which yes. was a major battlefield hub, a logistics center, and a kind of a jump-off platform, you know, a, a forward position for the projection of power into into Donbass. Luhansk and Donetsk. And really, when it became clear that the Ukrainians were, were counterattacking on that line of advance, it, it happened so quickly. You, you and I were having a conversation about, you know, they could theoretically take Izium. And yes. like within 24 hours, they, they had taken and occupied the town. And that was really extraordinary because it, the, the build up required for that would have been quite big. They, they put, six and a half thousand troops into that assault. And it would take many times that, you know, up to 20,000 in logistics, support, artillery, air defense, and so on to support that um, massive advance. Uh, and they did that close to the Russian border, under the Russians' noses, and they were unobserved, and they seized the initiative in that lightning strike. Now, what's happened this week, in in many senses, is even more extraordinary. Because Ukrainian forces have now taken the strategic hub of Lyman. Yes. Um, and that's in, uh, you know, it's, it, it's in Donetsk. So the advances in Kharkiv have now been mirrored by advances in Donetsk. And these are all areas claimed to be Russian territory by, by Vladimir Putin. So his statements on the one hand are being contradicted by events on the ground. Now, the counteroffensive at Lyman is quite different to the one in Kharkiv uh, towards Izium in that it isn't a kind of a lightning uh, strike. It's a slow, incremental encirclement of Lyman. Yes. And that's that's an enormous... Uh, that sends a very, very powerful signal to, to military analysts in that Russia is incapable of counterattacking. They're incapable of preventing the encirclement of their forces there. Uh, and it means, you know, that that makes it untenable for Russian forces because eventually they will run out of petrol oil lubricants, ammunition, fuel, rations, water, spare parts. I mean, the only way for them now is is to get out and they're surrounded. So the initiative has is is with the Ukrainians. But for the Ukrainians to complete that encirclement, it requires, you know, it's not a lightning dash. It's really, really careful uh, maneuver, uh, coordination, making sure that you're, 
this massive outer cordon is is fully sealed, that there's nowhere over hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of territory that the Russians can can exploit a weak point and do a breakout. Yes. And they've done this, unlike the, the uh, Izium offensive, there was no surprise in this. The Russians could see it. They were aware of it. We, we've had a lot of reports, even in Russian media, of, you know, uh, frantic communication from Russian troops on the ground saying that their front is collapsing and that they're, they're being overwhelmed. And this is a language that's being used by the Russians themselves in Moscow, that they were overwhelmed by superior numbers in terms of manpower, equipment and tanks. So this is being done again with, with the full knowledge of uh, the Russian military and the leadership in the Kremlin. And their response has been to, again, withdraw and, and to fall back. And they've also, and I hope we get a chance to talk about this phenomenon, they've also sacked um, their, yes. their their commander, Colonel General Alexander Zhurvalayev. Yes, he's the commander of the, of the country's Western military district. And yeah. he's been sacked, and they announced it, after a recent series of battlefield de defeats, most notably the chaotic retreat from Kharkiv that you just referred to, Tom. Yeah. So I think this recurring phenomenon of sacking generals in the field, it, it speaks of a military hierarchy that is based on fear and sanction and negative reinforcement. I'm not aware of any major battlefield promotions. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not aware of any major ceremonies in 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 the Kremlin where his top generals are recognised and rewarded for their outstanding achievement in the field. And in many respects, going back to the um, the the Gulf War, um, Gulf War One and Gulf War Two, I remember uh, reading an analysis by uh, General. Norman Schwarzkopf, if you remember Storm and yes, Norman. Storm and Norman. <laughs> and, and the Western allies, the United States and her allies, they assembled one million coalition troops. It's an extraordinary number. They, they concentrated one million coalition troops, US, British, French, that multinational force, um, to just get the Iraqis out of Kuwait. Yes. A very, you know, limited objective. They weren't seeking to invade a country. And so back back in the 90s, based on their assessment of the Iraqi strength, so they looked at the Iraqi military, which is not dissimilar to the Russian military, you know, very, very hierarchical, based on negative reinforcement, led by a kind of a strong man, right foot corruption, poor equipment. But they had a lot of equipment, a lot of Soviet or Warsaw Pact uh, weapons and armaments. So the, the intelligence estimate in the West was, we need a million troops to take these people on. But in fact, the Iraqi military, their elite units like the Republican Guards, they just collapsed when confronted by Western, you know, fire and maneuver. You know, the combined arms approach, the coordination of air power, uh, close air support, artillery, and um, they, they were completely collapsed and routed. So that in subsequent encounters, the U.S. military deployed a fraction of that, you know, just over yes. 150,000 a number of years later to invade Iraq and occupy the country, which now was a disastrous uh, operation yes. in the end. So so this seems to be the case with the Russian military, that they're very similar to these. Uh, and there is a lot of literature in, in the international military 
publications, peer-reviewed military research publications that show that those the, the, the leadership style of the what they call Malmuks or you know royal families or dictators, hard men in in the Middle East in these Arab countries and their militaries leads to this type of very brittle, rigid military uh, systems that collapse very, very quickly. And this seems to apply equally to the Russian military in in Ukraine. And that in turn, Eamon, means that even if they do manage to mobilize 300,000 troops, you know, retired, uh, you know, reservists and conscripts, and it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to change the situation on the ground. No, morale uh, clearly uh, is a strong suit for Ukraine, uh, plus the ever-growing amount of armaments they're getting from the West, the United States most notably, who keep committing billions of dollars to this. The 300,000 that Putin threatened to draft for this war, many of them have run away. I mean, it's estimated that 300,000 people have left the Russian Federation in Russia, and they have run away to countries bordering Russia, and they want nothing to do with it. Dmitry, who we spoke to last night, thought that the real number of recruits that he was rounding up, and that's a phrase he used almost, uh, was 600,000. But they don't want to fight, and they don't want to engage. And, of course, they have to be trained, don't they, Tom? And another significant factor, you'll tell us how significant, is the onset of winter. So where are the Ukrainians and the Russians now. Uh, the danger of his declaration that these four regions were now Russian uh, territory, that's Donetsk, Sluhansk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia, would be that according to Russia's constitution, if their land is infringed, they have the right to use a nuclear weapon. How dangerous is Putin in the situation he is at present? Yeah, I'll address that in in the order that you articulated the challenges for Putin. So yes. in terms of the mobilization of reserves and uh, this mass mobilization, and it's not a full mobilization, it's only reserves. They haven't introduced conscription as yet. The, uh, the, the time it would take to get people into their formation headquarters to get them equipment, uniforms, get them familiar with one another. Because as we've discussed before, units that fight together have to train together and they have to learn how to use the communications equipment, the upgraded armor, the air defense systems that go back into classrooms and, and remember and, and, and go back over the, the, the range tables of the artillery pieces that they're going to fire. They, they have to learn how to maneuver and coordinate with neighboring units. That will take months and yes. they're unlikely to be in a position to deploy uh, and certainly won't arrive in a meaningful way in Ukraine before the onset of winter. Now, complicating that is on open source intelligence, on, you know, Russian social media transcripts. There are reports, for example, of major shortages in basic equipment such as uniforms, uh, even down to rations. But in one case, um, 
every soldier is issued with what's called a battlefield dressing to absorb blood. And they don't have battlefield dressings. So it is. it has been reported that uh, the new reservists are being issued with tampons to in, yeah. in the place of, you know, yes. so you're, you're talking about a system that is, has been observed before, you know, Putin did try to do a great leap forward with the military and go from a big standing, uh, rigid Soviet military facing West to a more nimble, agile, uh, military that would be capable of the type of, of battle group maneuver that NATO was developing post, uh, Cold War. But their performance on the ground in Ukraine shows that they haven't achieved that. And sending 300,000 uh, people into battle with tampons and bottles of vodka, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be facile, but no, no. that is not going to change the situation on the ground. Now, the changing by way of these referenda, um, this pseudo-legal process, to change Ukraine, those parts of Ukraine, Ukraine that are being retaken by the Ukrainians. So they would have regarded the Ukraine as the near abroad before, yes. but now it is part of the Rodina as far as Putin is concerned, the motherland. And if this were any other leader, his intelligence failures to date would have seen him um, long gone, replaced yes. by somebody else. But Putin isn't an ordinary leader. He's a dictator. and. And, and more importantly, he does have nuclear weapons. And we've discussed this before, that he has access to what are called tactical nuclear weapons, some low yield nuclear weapons, so-called, of just one kiloton that would be capable of destroying a town of roughly the size of Lyman or Izium or Slavyansk yes. or Kramatorsk. So that's the fear. And it's reported this week that the 12th Directorate, which is uh, kind of the, it's a secretive part of the, the Russian uh, infrastructure that controls nuclear forces. It's reported actually on pro-Russian telegram channel Rybar that a, a large convoy of nuclear equipment um, is has been deployed and has been sent by rail in the direction of Ukraine. And this would be an example, if true, of Putin signaling to the West that he intends to, you know, re repeat that threat of the use of a tactical nuclear weapon. Because his his conventional options are running out on the ground. He's, he's unable to change um, the facts on the ground, and he's losing territory at this point yes. um, to, to Ukraine. So you have things like attacks on critical infrastructure, like it is alleged that Russia may have carried out the attacks on Nord Stream One and Nord Stream Two in the in yes. the uh, in, in the Baltic Sea, um, and uh, then allied with this other component of asymmetrical war, non-conventional warfare, the, the the movement of this big uh, nuclear convoy across Russia, which isn't being you know there's no concealment, there's no deception, there's no attempt to hide it. It's 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 part of the the propaganda, but it is worrying. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. From a NATO point of view, the Americans have said, in fact, at the weekend, uh, the Americans said, and they have been from before this war started, um, or this invasion, when the long lines of tanks, Russian tanks, were massed on the border of Ukraine, Putin continued to say he had no intention of invading, and many, um, some believed him. The United States said he is going to invade. The United States intelligence, U.S. intelligence, on every move of this has been very, very on the money. Now they say that they think he will use a nuclear weapon. If he uses a nuclear weapon, Tom, NATO has said, uh, and NATO as distinct from the United States, has said there will be serious consequences. The United States separately have also told us that they have been in direct communication with the Kremlin about the consequences of using a nuclear weapon. So where are we now with a a desperate dictator who is being humiliated to some extent, having to sack not just the, the general we mentioned a few moments ago, but many others, and some of them have fallen out of windows. So where are we now in terms of what NATO and the U.S. would have to do were he to use a tactical nuclear weapon. It's it's very worrying um, in that pe- most of 
our listeners will be familiar with um, strategic nuclear weapons. And so just to recap, they these are massive weapons, apocalyptic th- thing, 800 kilotons. If you think the bomb at Hiroshima, the atomic bomb was 15 kilotons. Yes. And it destroyed Hiroshima, 140,000 people plus were killed in an instant. But if you were to deploy a strategic nuclear missile, a thermonuclear weapon in the 21st century of 800 kilotons, that would immediately destroy an area greater than Los Angeles or Washington or New York or London or Paris in an instant, killing millions and millions of people and yes. provoking immediately, even one of those devices, I think, would provoke a nuclear winter and would have catastrophic effects internationally. So we've always and had there, this... Would there have to be a response, Tom? Well, I think up until now, the, the point I'm trying to make is that weapons of that size, the Americans possess similar weapons as do the, the British. Um, and it was just believed that this would lead to mutually assured destruction or mad. Yes. And yes. the fact that those weapons were so horrific and, and apocalyptic, the belief was that human beings just wouldn't do it. However, the Russians have developed tactical, so-called tactical nuclear weapons, some with an, a low nuclear yield of as little as one kiloton. And I say as little as in inverted yes. commas because it's just in the context of the larger weapons. So the fear is that Putin would be tempted to use one of those smaller weapons, which would be one-tenth the size of the, the weapon dropped at Hiroshima. Yes. And these weapons can be delivered using conventional artillery systems or local missile, you know, a, 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 for want of a better expression, a rocket launcher, as opposed to a big missile silo somewhere deep in, in, in the Russian Federation. If Putin were to give such an order, um, it, I, I don't know that his orders would be carried out. Because he's been purging his generals, he's been purging some of the apparatchiks around him and the oligarchs. I think this is a very dangerous moment for Putin. This is um, brinkmanship, brinkmanship at its you know most um, ca- catastrophic, if you like, because he he's facing his own personal uh, end uh, if he can't find a way out of this situation. Yes. And all of the avenues, all of the off-ramps, if you like, are, are, are disappearing for him. But if he were to fire a nuclear weapon, a, a one kiloton weapon, and he might be tempted at a Ukrainian strong point like Slavyansk or Kramatorsk to, you know, to sort of say, right, you've taken Izium, you've taken Lyman, but we're going to destroy, you know, and we're going to create a buffer zone through nuclear contamination between ourselves yes. and, and the West. Then I think NATO has no choice, and we in the West have no. It, that will be a moment that will change the world and the world order. Yes. In that, once a nation f- d- uses a nuclear weapon in a preemptive strike, however small, and and claims the right of first use, which is written into yes. the Russian strategic doctrine, then I think the response from the West will be will be very quick, and it will be. Um, I think a lot of Russian military targets would be destroyed using conventional means. Um, I just hope we never get to that point. But, Eamon, my 18-year-old daughter, she's doing the Model United Nations in sixth year, and yes. she asked me this question, you know, could they use one? And I found myself in the very uncomfortable position of saying, yes, it's not just theoretically possible. With with Putin in the Kremlin, it 
and he having already used chemical weapons in Syria and chemical yes. agents in, in places like Britain and, and you know, radioactive uh, materials to kill people, all, all bets are off. So I think we need to watch what happens in the Kremlin very, very closely. Yes. Uh, just to go back, Tom, you're probably too young to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. Unfortunately, I'm not. It was 1962, and John F. Kennedy was in the White House, and Khrushchev was the leading Russian figure, politician uh, in Moscow. In the end, it looked very dangerous, and it seemed to us at the time a moment of terrible possibilities, just as this moment is beginning to feel like. Kennedy had the wisdom, and Khrushchev also, to see the dangers. So what happened was the nuclear weapons were in Cuba, which is just uh, half an hour from Washington, more or less, and Kennedy offered the deal to Khrushchev, take your nuclear weapons back to Moscow and we will take some weapons we have in Turkey away also. So he, this off-ramp that you've talked of, that was the off-ramp that Kennedy made available to Khrushchev, who had the wisdom and the courage and indeed the authority in the Kremlin to do exactly what Kennedy had proposed. That was the end of the crisis. But as you say, it's very hard. First of all, Khrushchev was a very different animal to Putin and his daughter, in fact, has written, uh, and she's living in America now, and she's, you know, sane. Uh, Putin's a very different animal. He looks like a fanatic. He's talked like a fanatic. And he appears to have run out, as you've just pointed out to us, of serious options uh, in conventional warfare. Yeah, and his actions threaten not just Ukraine, but they're an affront to all of our values in the European Union and in Europe and in the West. The idea that a militarily strong country can can change borders by, by force of arms and, and take parts of its neighbour's territory at will, that's something we haven't seen in Europe since World War II. So Vladimir Putin has unfortunately placed us back in in, in a situation that we thought we would never be in post-1945. I mean, these are the reasons why big internationalized organizations like the United Nations exist, is to ensure that this type of confrontation doesn't happen. I'm just hoping that all, and I'm sure all of the back channels to the people around Putin are open. Yes. And, you know, I, w I would love to see the Secretary General of the United Nations play a much greater role I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but Antonio Guterres, you know, you very rarely hear or see of him yes. in, in, in media. Just we have to do our absolute utmost to bring this conflict to some sort of a conclusion before it escalates into the nuclear realm. Because if it escalates into the nuclear realm, other countries that possess nuclear weapons like North Korea, which fired a an intercontinental yes, ballistic overnight. missile yes. over oh, right over Japan's territory, and you know pa Pakistan, you know other countries may decide. Well, if the nuclear preemptive strike is a feature of legitimate foreign policy expression or national defense yes. in the twenty first century, then we will see a nuclear arms race 
in in all around the world to develop these tactical nuclear weapons and we'll see their use and the the humanitarian and clim- climactic uh, consequences are just unthinkable yes and of course india also has a nuclear weapon and pakistan and india they don't get on too well just a final question tom clearly this is a moment of maximum danger the winter that's approaching in terms of the battlefield, what will that winter bring? Will it bring a kind of stalemate or does it allow for the war and the fighting to continue? The impact of the of winter in, in that part of Europe and on, along the, the border with Russia would likely mean that by, by December, January, you're capacity to do large armoured manoeuvres or advances would be severely restricted. So I think if we get to that point, well, we will get to that point. The Russians will slowly hope to reinforce the positions that they've taken. Yes. Um, as will the, the Ukrainians. They'll consolidate their advances and, and reinforce on their side. To we get to a situation much like the one we had prior to the invasion post-2014, when the um, the Ukrainians had built up what they call lines of contact and lines of engagement, you know, very carefully preserved, p- prepared defensive positions um, along the lines where the, the, the Russians and their proxy forces, these little green men, had taken. So I'd say we'll see, and then that will lead in the spring uh, and uh, a series of spring offensive, offensives, possibly on the rush from the Russian side with counteroffensives from the Ukrainians. But, but really, the momentum appears to be with the Ukrainian military and they seem to be able to maneuver effectively and they seem to have the initiative. I'm most likely because of the uh, support of West, the West in terms of intelligence, national technical means, satellite surveillance and so on, and all of the material assistance they're getting, but also because of morale and cohesion. Their, yes. their motivation to fight is to liberate their, their homeland as they would see it to prevent their their people being uh, deported, murdered in mass graves and so on. Whereas for the Russians, you know, as we've said here before, based on the casualty figures, you have a one in two chance if you're sent to Ukraine of being killed or, you know, very seriously injured, uh, crippled for life. So their desire to fight, as evidenced by the exodus of people liable to conscription and being brought back into the reserves. It's just on, on, on a very basic military analysis, what we've learned about the Russian military in the last six months has revealed a force that I don't think is capable of changing things on the ground by conventional means. Okay, Tom, it's fascinating to talk to you and we're very grateful to you for joining us on the stand. That's uh, Senator Tom Clonan, a military strategist and also a very courageous whistleblower when he investigated sexual harassment in the Irish Army, which led to serious reforms. We're grateful to Tom. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.